Welcome to Pilots and Petards Podcast, the podcast with nothing much ado about aircrafts and potentially everything ado with first episodes of a filmic series. This is your co-hoister Jimbo, and joining us as always is our co-hoister Drew. For folks new to the show, disclaimer, petard is absolutely non-discriminatory, and it is a real word. Petards are explosive devices usually used to take out a door or wall. Thank you, Jimbo, and to be hoisted on a petard is to be hurt or destroyed by one's own plot or device intended for another. So in Eagle Point terms, to be blown up by one's own bomb. And here at Pilots and Petards Podcast, we watch television pilots or the first episode of a series, and we make critical judgments. We decide whether these pilots are awesome and deserve a watch or a rewatch of the preceding series, or we hoist these pilots on their own petards. To hoist or not to hoist Jimbo, that is the question. Join us today as we cast judgment and determine if the late 90s WB coming-of-age teen dramedy Dawson's Creek will be hoisted or not hoisted. That is the question. All right, and before we move into the background, we have a couple announcements. So Mo is officially joining us as a co-hoister. She will hopefully be with us most weeks. She has also changed her name. She is Mo now. She could not live up to the Moana which we decided is fair. We also experimented by calling Drew Andy, which is not going to be a permanent solution. So bear with us as we tried to call Drew Andy for this episode, but don't worry, Drew will be back next week. And now for our background. Go ahead, Drew. Dawson's Creek was picked by our reviewer and OG listener, Rebecca. Dawson's Creek was the only show Rebecca ever watched religiously. She loved how real the characters were while being in these like super ridiculous circumstances. She said she identified with Joey as always being the best friend and never the girlfriend. Rebecca wonders if everyone feels less than in high school because popular students uh, and her experience didn't seem that way. Now she turns to pilots and petards to get another outsider's view. And I went to high school with Rebecca, so I would like to get her feedback based on what I say as well. Jimbo? Dawson's Creek is just like seventh heaven for me. I never watched this show before. This was my first access. Mo. I definitely watched it. I think it might have been a double header with Dawson's Creek. It might have been like seventh heaven and then Dawson's Creek. I was hit hard with the nostalgia this week with Dawson's Creek. I was disappointed that the, the theme song wasn't the same song. Is that is it too early? Mo, you're not alone there. I know. It was so fucked up. I was so excited, and then it was some song that I, I never remember hearing in my life. I wonder if they changed it. I don't What song is it? I don't even know. I couldn't even be bothered to Google who it was. For the listeners at home who can't quite remember it, can you can you jog our memories for the iconic oh, song? The, the actual one? Yes. Sure. It's like, it goes, I don't want to wait for our lives to be over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> wait, that's what it used to be? That it will become, Shimbo. That's what it will become. Well, whatever one it was, I know we're jumping the gun here, but yeah, that song sucked. <laughs> it went poorly. It did. I'll give you that. It was like, it was such oh, a Mo, it, did. it did. It went, it went poorly. Now, <laughs> that takes me to my background, which is I watched this show when it was on, I think for a season or two. It had a Ross and Rachel thing going on with, but then it got away from me. But then in college, it came back on in TBS. And I remember one morning, there was like three of them on in a row, and I did. I chose to watch Dawson's Creek instead of go to class. And that was foolish because college is expensive. <laughs> That's my experience with Dawson's Creek. 
All right, well, I'm going to seg us into our 60-second summary. Dawson is a bubblehead. He lives in a perfect little world, and for the first time in Dawson's perfect world, he's having a couple hiccups. His relationship with his best friend Joey, Katie Holmes' character, is put to the test when Jen, the new hot girl next door, moves to town. Meanwhile, his mother is banging her co-worker, and Dawson's dad, who seems like a really solid dude, has no clue. And then we have some interesting side plots. Pacey, another, another good friend to Dawson and Joey, is trying to bang the hot teacher. Jen, the hot chick next door, is also a little heathen, living with her Jesus freak grandma. <laughs> and Joey is raised by her sister, who is dating a black dude. Having his baby, too. Slay. <laughs> that is... Episode one. <laughs> We are going to move into high points. Andy, can you start us off with your high points? The high point is that the 90s music and fashion, which I'm deviating from, Dawson's necklace is amazing. It draws your eye to it in every scene that it's in. On the rewatch of the rewatch, just find Dawson's necklace because it's the center of every frame. And the 90s fashion is very glorious. Lots of baggy clothing. I loved it. I don't remember the necklace. Yeah, I, I didn't even care about that necklace. I didn't even notice. Is it like a puka shell? No, no. It was a single, like, dangly blue little jewel that hung loosely, and you were just like, done. It's so effortless. Interesting. But what about you, Mo? What'd you see? I think I just couldn't get myself away from the, the nostalgia watching this this pilot. So the whole episode just brought me back to the drama between Joey and Dawson and how much I loved to hate on Jen, even though personally liked her character. Just the show overall, just bringing me back. And, and the writing was just so surprisingly good. And I'm just imagining myself, like, did I actually understand the wit and the dialogue that they were all having? I don't even think I understood it when I was when I was watching this back in high school, but I appreciated it now. So those are kind of my, my high points there. I did have a small note about the dialogue, especially between like, joey and dawson about film i was just like why is everyone in this like small north carolina town talking like they're a usc film student i imagine there were some 27 year olds watching dawson's creek for some reason when the show was coming on who were really like in it but you're right you could be a teen and also just be super into it for the drama the writing was awesome i gotta push back i think the storytelling and maybe the plot was was decent i thought the dialogue was not very good I felt like the teens were way too mature. They seemed like college students. Didn't fit like like the way Jen's getting all sassy with her grandma or even Joey. Like they they seemed way too wise for uh, their age. And if you want to make a show about people in their mid 20s, you should just make a show about pe- people in their mid 20s. You shouldn't make a show about high schoolers and then give them mid 20 to mid 30s wisdom. Well, I think it depends on like what their show is going for. Like I don't necessarily think this show is going for gritty, realistic, like this is totally happening. I think that this is, again, a little bit like Seventh Heaven, kind of an aspirational show. Like maybe what some people who are writing this show or creating the show in their 30s kind of wish they were like as teens. So I thought that it was fun writing in that it was snappy, it was quick, it was not realistic, but it's not like anyone was realistic. So at least the tone of the show throughout was somewhat consistent. How about that? I guess, but then why why not just not make them high schoolers? Because high school is universal. Everybody went to high school. So, I mean, not everyone grew up in New York and has, like, publishing job in their 20s. That might appeal to some coastal folks, but 
everybody went to high school and everybody had a crush and everybody kind of felt left out sometimes. Maybe they wanted it to be like a universal concept, but with some real sharp mid-20s writing. Hearing you all like banter on this is or going back and forth, I think what it is is that there's this sophisticated conversation going on between all the characters, but then they're just doing really high school ass behavior. Is that what you're kind of getting at, Jimbo? You know, like it's like, oh, you wanna talk the talk, but you're walking the the walk of like a little kid, but then you're all like sophisticated and philosophical and all these other things. Yes, like that didn't work for me. The plot was your basic high school drama. And then the dialogue was more, I'm not sure how to qualify it, but it, film students from USC or something. There's a real strong Kevin Smith vibe. It's not Tarantino-esque, you know, like they're not flying that fast and furious and whatnot. But I kind of feel like the creator of this show is putting a lot of himself in Dawn. And so he's kind of speaking directly to the audience from like his perspective. He's informing us with how he talks now, but he's putting it into a high school body. Fair. And I did look it up. Dawson is based off of him, and the other characters are kind of based off of people he knew. I suspected as much. Good call, Andy. Uh, but Jimbo, that leaves you. Hit us with a high point. I have a brief high point that I'd like to mention. The teacher, Mrs. Uh, I'm just calling her Mrs. Hottie, okay? Mrs. Hottie's <laughs> slow walk in the whole movie rental scene. Actually, you know what? That's my high point. Mrs. Hottie doing her slow walk into the video store in that whole movie rental scene that's my high point. <laughs> why, why Jimbo? I mean, dude, that scene was <laughs> awesome. Like she, <laughs> I think, I think it made up for uh, my low point, which I'll <laughs> discuss soon. I don't know. It was just a really fun scene and it kind of captured being a boy where, where you kind of think that everyone is trying to have sex with you. But in that scene, there's definitely something going on there. And, and I would even say that like that goes back to the teens being way too mature when Pacey like eventually goes off on on Mrs. Hottie, come on, really? You expect me to believe that this fifteen year old is going to have that much insight into what's going on? Well, the other thing about that little scene right there is, I can't believe she kissed him after that. That seemed to be a super condescending, rude thing to say someone else, and then to end it by being like, "And this fifteen year old was going to give you the best sex you ever had." <laughs> I don't think 15 year olds are very good at, yeah, 15 year old virgins are not good at sex. So I don't know why that little logic bomb he dropped at the end was thrown at her. That seemed like some very, if you want to talk about the writing not being great, that seemed like some wish fulfillment. And that to me, that's where like the, this show is definitely out there. A lot of weird things happening. And, you know, this seems to be an exaggeration of experiences. Yeah, obviously that scene was not my high point. That's an example with all the teen characters being way too mature. But if we want to go back to my high point, yes. what did you think of the Mrs. Hottie going into the movie rental scene, Drew? I appreciated every mention of a VHS tape. I watched this with Tori, and Tori loves anything where cell phones are not involved, so she has been happy with the pilots that have not involved cell phones. And when the VHS store came up, like, I miss that, you know, like Redbox is not the same thing as like being excited and going to Blockbuster and hoping that there's a copy of the movie behind the box with the picture. You're right. Like some of these, some of this dialogue is very high and like for 25 to 30 year olds. But the other thing is I'll give, I'll give Pacey this, this kid might actually listen to the podcast because I, I do solicit my middle school students to listen to our podcast. It's good for them. And it says it's good for their parents <laughs> know they're getting into but some of Pacey's mannerisms and the way he talks remind me so much of an eighth grader that I work with. So 
it's not a high point and it's not an MVP, but Pacey reminds me of a kid I see five days a week. Pacey was great. That doesn't answer your question. No, it definitely doesn't. But let's just move on. Mo, now you represent all women on our show. So <laughs> I do. So keep keep that in mind. What did you think about about that scene as as a woman viewer? When I saw that interaction happening, I couldn't help but just remember that they do end up banging and dating like in secret. Whoa. In future episodes. Sorry, spoiler. Um, episode so, three. Oh, I watched dang. it. So I just was like, yeah, so I was looking at things kind of not critically, but just like, really, like this is how this, it all started. And then he actually lands this chick. Like, she's hot. She is hot. I'll give her that. I thought he pursued a lot harder than he actually did. And so actually watch him pull his moves and have them be successful. And seeing her kind of talk about, what was that movie? The Graduate? Yeah. I don't know. So I, I just kept seeing that and I'm like, wow, this actually in this world worked on Miss Hottie. And Pacey is like wildest dreams. I mean, they like got, they like fall in love in future episodes. So I kept, like, I couldn't like, <laughs> so I couldn't just like, I couldn't see it in just the, this one like isolated incident. Like my mind already immediately jumped to, oh my gosh. And now they, this is like how they meet and then they fall in love and it's so cute. But also like she's desperate. It was sad for her. The nostalgia force is strong with you, Mo. Like the nostalgia monster like camped out under your bed on this one. It did. I did. <laughs> Even without the song. But can we mention that's rape. Like that's, that's straight up rape. Yeah. That's a dangling thread that I yeah. am going to pluck at, but we can leave it there. We'll I'll come back to that. Well, maybe the age of consent is younger in North Carolina. In the South, sometimes it's lower. It probably is actually. It's probably 14. It is in South Carolina and Alabama. Oh, it's 16. I just Googled it. Those kids are 15. They talk about that in the first episode. Yeah, they're still 15. Joey's running around rowing boats. She's not driving a car. When is the show taking place? The show might be in the late 80s. And when did North Carolina switch its switch to 16? Maybe it used to be 13. Who knows? There's a Jurassic Park poster in Dawson's room. So I think we can start to date some things. Not in the 80s. Okay, so it's a modern day from probably from the filming. I don't think anything about the show tells us it's set like in the 70s. I think it's set in 1998. No, it's definitely not said in the 70s because, yeah, there was a – or you know what? There was a poster for I Know What You Did Last Summer. Yeah, in the fi- in the film guy's room and, like, the film teacher's room, it's like I can pick any show to, or any movie to put up to talk about film theory. Citizen Kane, fuck that. I Know What You Did Last Summer. I <laughs> know. <laughs> yeah. This actually happens, though, because because my first instinct was, like, bullshit – is this dude going to pull that hot teacher? But you know what? That happens a decent amount, actually. And when it's a dude teacher and a female student, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't get the same press. Well, the nice thing is I feel like that has changed a little bit in the last two years because I have been seeing more like mugshots. Like, cause I mean, it comes up on my newsfeed, like on my little Apple news app, mostly from Fox news for some reason, you know, read into that what you will. But I do like the fact that they are kind of profiling like a female in a teacher role to a male student showing more of like, here's what crimes they were charged with. And here's what uh, their mugshot looks like. Cause yeah, like back in the day, like in the nineties and two thousands, that happened. They were just like student has affair with teacher and like, it's still damaging. Like that is a breach of trust and kids don't know any better, but an adult should. Yeah. Getting into my dangling thread there. Yeah. 
Okay, well let's let's uh viewers, you know we're going to save the rest of this talk for uh, later. Yes, we will. Andy, why don't you start us off with the low points? God damn, Dawson sucks. <laughs> like Dawson is real bad for many reasons. Some more troubling than others, but like one of the biggest things is like Dawson does two things which are horrible, and the show does not call them out or even cast them in a bad light. Dawson really, really puts women on pedestals, and Dawson really treats women like objects instead of treating them like humans. Now, he doesn't, like, objectify them with, like, sexist remarks, but he still others them in, like, what some people call the, like, quote-unquote nice guy, as in some guys will, like, respect women and then expect sex from that. You know, or be like, I'm a nice guy, I'm not, I'm not a dick, I'm not a jock, I'm not a jerk. The brand of nice guy that Dawson is being is still shitty. Dawson's entitled, Dawson is a douche, and Dawson is not cast in a bad light. Like, he is the hero of this pilot, and I do definitely believe that Williamson wrote a lot of himself into Dawson, but the nice guy on the it seems to be, like, Dawson is like the patient zero nice guy who respects women enough to not say horrible things to them, but not enough to treat them like they're human beings. That's fair. I would say Dawson is the shift. Dawson is the link between how men viewed women in just like the dominant, like let's say the fifties, you know, like the more, the more antiquated. And then now Dawson was like that shift to like how we're getting today, where as today you have a lot more men that are viewing women in a lot better light. You go from just a straight up, you know, misogynistic dick. You're, then you're like a nice misogynistic, and then eventually you you shed most of your, you know, misogynistic dickness. What do you think, Mo? The way he treats Joey as his best friend and tries to pretend being friends with someone of the opposite sex, like while you're going through your your hormones, he he kind of just like sets that aside, and maybe he's just compartmentalizing. Versus objectifying? I don't know. I didn't get, like, the objectification. Uh, I think he objectifies Jen. Yeah, I got that. No, you're right. You're right. You're right. No, as you were saying it, like, I, I was trying to pick up on it. Again, the nostalgia's really, like, blurring my vision, guys, because... Yeah, it sure is. Just can't picture him as anything other than that nice guy next door, best friend who will do anything for you kind of dude. He will not do anything for you. He will do anything he wants to do for you. He won't do anything for you. Yeah, no, I he know. He's he selfish. Yeah. He's selfish. And in that first scene, he did get on my nerves when Joey was kind of say, I don't want to sleep over anymore because this is how I feel. And then he just kind of blows off her feelings and prioritizes his own. And it felt creepy to me that he was asking her to sleep over. And then and the way he like manipulates her into staying and not leaving. Yeah, definitely. That did set a tone, but I still have a hard time viewing Dawson in his light. Uh, Tori literally turned to me and said, why isn't it Joey's Creek? And I was like, that's a good question, Tori. I'll <laughs> bring it up on the podcast. Idea. It's true. She's the one who's rowing up and down that damn creek every night. Yeah, she's the only one in the <laughs> creek. She literally gets tossed in the creek. <laughs> she did. <laughs> I can relate with, with, you know, with Dawson's nice guy. And, you know, I can call myself out. I was definitely misogynistic and I definitely objectified women when I was younger even into my later 20s before I, before I finally started to see, you know, see things differently. But I was a nice guy. Like, I didn't think I thought of women as objects, but I definitely did. 
but I was still a nice guy. So I could definitely see, and that's and that's why I called it a transition phase, because I because I feel like I went from just being super dude locker room culture to being like nice guy Dawson to where now I would consider myself a feminist, and I definitely can see things that I would have never saw before. Well, you know, we talked about periods a bunch last week, so I think there's there's growth. There's growth in all of us, but Jimbo, <laughs> I'm with you, dude. I see a lot of old old Andy and Dawson, which I don't like, you know, because, <laughs> you know, yeah. you do go through that period where, especially if you don't have a lot of frank and honest conversations about sex with different people, which sometimes young men don't have, then you can fall into that place where you just like, not other women in a bad way, but just kind of like, don't relate to them on a human level. And it kind of it can stunt your maturity. So like, I'm happy that I feel like I've grown and, and been in a transition place and that you have, but I also feel like there's a bunch of like toxic dudes on the internet that don't maybe for the time it was good and transitional, but you know, Dawson is definitely the hero and the protagonist of the story. So this behavior seems to be encouraged, but maybe it, maybe I'm being too tough on old Dawson. Well, may, well maybe he's not the hero. Maybe he's just the protagonist. That's a good point. From the pilot episode. Obviously, Mo knows the answer. She's still in love with the guy, so he must be the hero. I'm not. No, I definitely... He, his image crumbled as the episode went on and as we keep talking about it. <laughs> We're ruining his it. image is crumbling. We're ruining your childhood, Mo. <laughs> well, I'm trying to understand, though, Jimbo, like what you mean by this like in-between nice guy on the outside but misogynist on the inside. Is, is this a thing that all guys go through? Or not all, but most? I think Dawson represents the shift in societal views. And I think that I think Dawson Creek being on in the mid or the late 90s re- represent how society was shifting its views to the where to where we are today. So I I see it as kind of like a snapshot of like progression. Mm-hmm. So he's being progressive then. At the time, I think so. Okay. 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 What do you think about that? I could be fine with that. I mean, I need to watch more episodes. Because I think your problem with Dawson is that he's not progressive enough, which is which I agree. He's not he's not where he's not where he should be. But I think for the late nineties, he's he's probably doing okay. I see what you're saying. Like relative. I see what you're saying too. I'm gonna bring Dawson back up when I get to my MVP. Viewers, you uh, put the value on whether that's good or bad. Let's move on. Mo, can you row us into your low point? Right. Yeah. Well, we kind of talked about this a little bit, but in my, in my low point, I just kind of summed it up as why is Joey rowing everywhere? Circling back to what Tori said, why isn't it called Joey's Creek? Because this girl is like rowing her ass back and forth to wherever it is. Little Dawson lives in his mansion and going back and forth from there to wherever she lives with her sister and her pregnant sister and her boyfriend. I didn't pick up on this again. Like it was funny watching this and picking up on things I never noticed before, but the, the kind of the class divide in between, like what that represents, I just saw her rowing is so symbolic and it was a low point because she, the value that, that Dawson places on her seems to be tied to her. The fact that she's just the girl from down the Creek. That was definitely low point. And again, more shitting on Dawson and him and his like elitist white male, in his mansion with a girl like rowing up and down this creek for him the rowing in the class divide was almost a high point for me because i like that this show acknowledges the class divide between joey and dawson and also that the show 
in the same way that I wish the show was a little bit shittier about Dawson's attitude, I like the fact that the show made Joey and her like family unit like not heroes, but they definitely cast them in a positive light. You know, like they were taking care of each other. They all said positive things about each other. They were per- they were heroes, even if they weren't protagonists of this thing. And then like Jen's grandma, who is more of like the normative like middle America like grandmother person. You know, she's kind of shitty and judgy. And she is cast not as a hero story. And so I kind of liked that this show, which is kind of a little teen soap opera, acknowledged that class difference. And then also the fact that, like, you know, it's a little teen soap opera on WB. I mean, I grew up in North Carolina, and there definitely is a stigma about, you know, white women or non-black women, you know, being with black men. And so I thought the fact that the show addressed, like, Joey's sister being ostracized, maybe implicitly because of the cross-racial relationship although joey calls it out she's like yeah my sister's like dating a black guy or like having a black guy's baby like i was like that's a little bit more social commentary than you might have expected from the other scenes in this show so i see your point as a low point but i thought that it was nice how they presented joey's family even though they were poor as like the good people in the show i felt the same as yeah no i i loved the scene with all with her sister and and her black boyfriend and and that it, it, it is touched upon and then they do bring to light the sentiment in, in a place. I mean, North Carolina is the South. So I could imagine that that does really exist and it probably does today. I, I appreciate that that part, Andy. But I guess I'm more talking about how this romance that will never come to be because she's like the girl from from the cut and he's like this rich boy. You know what I mean? It kind of had added that layer of like, rich guy, poor girl, like we can never be together. What's the, there's like a word for that, like unrequited love or something. Yeah, that's, that's I can't what it is. Something, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can also call them like star-crossed lovers because that's like people who can never yeah. be together. There you go. Shakespeare. Batards. <laughs> I think the fact that, that Joey's rowing, she's doing all the work. She's physically doing all the work to maintain the relationship. She's also doing all the emotional work in the relationship. And I think it represents the divide between rich, let's say upper and lower class. And so I actually appreciated those those aspects. I I didn't see them as low points in the storytelling, although I don't necessarily think they were intentionally laid out that way. But I think it represents that uh, divide. And I kind of saw it more as a high point if you look at the pilot as as a story, maybe not as its, its, its intentions. Mo, you see it as a low point because it's it's destroying your image of Dawson. Maybe. And I just was annoyed. I guess I was, yeah, I think it was just an, an annoying part of the, the plot for me that, that Joey is, like you said, Jimbo, just putting in all the work and she should be the one, like, grateful that some rich white boy is, like, into her or even giving her the time of day. And she has to, like, go above and beyond just to, like, maintain that. So I, I that annoyed me. Joey's a really good person, and she's a strong person. She's wise f- for her age, besides like the other teenagers being wise for their age too. But she's even more wise than them. Like she, she has more experience. I'm more wondering, like, why does she care about maintaining a relationship with Dawson so much? Like, she must have a lot of other stuff going on in her life. If she needs to be, if she needs to stay friends with Dawson, like, is he is he the only one that's willing to talk to her because her sister is having a black man's baby and is dating a black man? I mean, like, like is that you know implicitly being stated? Right. Yeah. Well, you guys are you guys are kind of tiptoeing around some MVP talker, so I just want to divert slightly. Unless Mo will give you the last word on this one. 
I can see it from, from both your angles and it, you really can just flip this on as a higher or low point. I do wonder that now that you all brought it up, like what was the intention of the creator? Feels It felt symbolic and I don't know if that was intentional. I couldn't tell either, Drew. I mean, I think they're playing with a couple archetypes. I, I will come back to this MVP, but I think they had a plan from the beginning and I think a big part of that plan was just to make different people interested in each other in different times. Like just to have them have those close misses that heightens the drama and invest you. And I think part of that was how much Joey's willing to do. And like, we didn't mention it. I almost cut in a couple of times to say she also like climb, literally climbs a ladder to get into Dawson's like bedroom door. Like she doesn't even come through the front door. Yeah. Right. Or I'm sure Dawson's family is nice to her, but she still, she recognizes the discrepancy between their places. So I'm surprised we didn't talk about the ladder. But yeah, the work, like that's, that's just more the physical work she has to do. And then, yeah, she has to come in discreetly. <laughs> oh, poor Joey. Yeah, Joey gets shit on, man. Poor Joey. <laughs> she is wise. MVP? Not, not quite there. Jimbo's low point. My low point is Jin. Although I kind of, I, th- I feel like I wanted to like Jin. Just a combination, like her scene with her grandma, and then her seeming, just like the other characters, seeming way too wise for her age. And then, to top it all off, dude, are the worst new girl slow walk ever, dude. How terrible was her slow girl walk did anyone else notice she i mean she looked she looked like a cowboy or something walking in like dude she was not it was not sexy at all she was not walking like a woman she's almost like stumbling like it was just it was just terrible the song was really good though but her performance in that walk which is terrible and then and then mrs hottie just completely blows her out of the water so i wonder if it was juxtaposed to make mrs hottie look good or if this girl just can't walk (laughs) she was wearing those like awkward like slip on clog situation shoes that are kind of back in style right now so i think that didn't help her walking abilities so she's like rolling (laughs) her ankles on the grass or something i mean what's (laughs) going on (laughs) i didn't get why she just had to go over there and say hi to them like she was like going to see her grandma because she's the new girl next door joey's gonna get jealous of her and why is jo- why is Joey jealous of her? But I be I guess so. So Joey's in love with Dawson, right? This this is the only way to justify the yeah. stuff we've been talking about this whole time. Yeah, everybody gets that right away. But what do you guys think think about Jin as a character? Uh, as a character, she's got a lot of potential. You know, they don't give a lot of information about her, so they could take her in a lot of different directions. It's just interesting that like of all the four cast members, like Michelle Williams is by far the most accomplished, famous person out of all four of them right now. But Jimbo, you're right. She's underwhelming in this first episode. Really? Who is she? You know who she is? She was married to Heath Ledger. Hasn't she won two Oscars or just one? I've never seen her in anything. She won one for that movie last year, that really sad movie. Yeah, you're right. Um, and then she's she's nominated again this or year. Or nominated. Maybe she didn't win, but she was nominated. And then also she was in um, Brokeback Mountain, too, and she was nominated for that one, too. Oh, wow. Okay, so, so she is more famous and successful than, than Katie Holmes. Um, I would yeah. say critically speaking. Okay, cool. She definitely has way more Oscar nominations and wins. So, Drew, can you uh, finish your point, please? Sorry, I, I cut you off. We'll talk about the actors soon, but of the four, her her performance is underwhelming. You know, so she's got a lot of potential, but there's not a lot going for her beyond, again, like Dawson kind of objectifying her. And in a way, she has to assume that role in the first episode so that Dawson can stay the protagonist. Yeah, I hated Jen's character. For a long time, but that was mostly rooted in my love for <laughs> Joey and her getting whatever her little heart wants. So 
so I just, I really hated her. I thought she was just like this basic girl next door, blonde Becky. And I, I hated her in high school until, well, I don't want to spoil anything. You, you've spoiled so much already. You might as well. I know, Mo. <laughs> I'm watching the first season, Mo, and you have fucked that up. But keep going. <laughs> but, I mean, I guess, <laughs> does she end up with Dawson? She wins me over, and I can't remember when, because... Is it this show or another show where she dies of cancer? Because like I'm either thinking of this show I, or Felicity, or like does. one of those other like pretty white teenager shows from the WB. And I'm like, and I'm like, does Jen die? Um, maybe, maybe she maybe. does. She might. <laughs> okay, well let's dial back to the uh, pilot and into what we're talking about. Last word on Jen, Mo, go. Do I have to make a call if I like her or not? <laughs> yeah. You can just say fuck that. Bitch. No, because now I yeah. now that I, I googled it, no, I googled sure. it. Yeah. And she dies. Yeah. Ho- okay, Mo, hoist, <laughs> hoist or not hoist, Jen. Yeah, snap no, hoist. Not hoist. Not hoist. Uh, yeah, not hoist. Not okay. hoist. Not hoist. Okay, that's a, that's a non hoist. That's a non hoist. Okay. okay. That, was, that was very kind of you. We are gonna seg into Crabman Award now. I am gonna say that Dawson's Creek was crabless, and I know Mo and Andy have a different take. And I think uh, they're going to change my mind. All right, Mo, you want to? <laughs> so go, so go ahead, Mo. Mo. You want to flip this podcast coin? I'll, I'll, I'll tell Andy. you if it's heads or tails. We are on the honor system. <laughs> heads or tails on what? On this pod coin, that I'm going to flip for who goes Let's first. Go. Okay, do it. Andy, just go. Okay, some, someone. All go. right, I, I, I won the coin. Coins. Okay, so. All right. Don't tell <laughs> me what's time. Okay. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so here's. I have never been more sure of a Crabman Award than this Crabman Award right here. Okay? Nice. Disagree with me if you dare. Agree with me, you will. Here we go. So the Crabman Award for this Crabman or for this show is that teacher who tells Dawson that he can't be in his class. Because Dawson's a sophomore and Dawson is used to the entire world, include, including Joey, just bowing down and, you know, licking his Birkenstocks. Okay? And this teacher is very reasonable and is like, oh, you're a sophomore. My class goes to the older students who have signed up before you. And Dawson is a whiny little piss baby because he's like, no, you don't understand. And then the teacher's like, hey, you don't understand. world's not about you, little bro. And this happens at school all the time. And I say it literally like this teacher does because, like, that's real and he's being a good teacher. He's being a good Cyclops, Jimbo. Okay, he comes in, he does his job, and he is the only person who doesn't bow down to this Dawson's Creek patriarchy bullshit. He tells Dawson how it is, but spoiler alert, by the third episode, Dawson gets his way. But in this first episode, <laughs> this teacher is totally a crab man. He is my crab man. And by the way, this shit happened to me last week because they want to take my class again. And I was like, you know what? If I let you in, I'll have to let everyone in. And do you know what she said to me? She was like, okay, that's reasonable. So boom, that's a good teacher. Dawson's a whiny bitch. <laughs> bring, bring forth your crab man, Mo. Bring forth your crab man to face mine. Because I feel like the crab man award is so prestigious. Be bold, Mo. Don't 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 let me intimidate you. I'm not intimidated. That teacher, like, that was a good moment. That was a good moment. That was a good moment. I mean, being the female voice on this podcast, I I really loved the moment where Joey was going off to be some awkward third wheel on her this date with Dawson and Jen and Pacey, kind of, and her sister stops her. And puts lipstick on her and then gives it to her and tells her what to do with it. And I just thought that the sister really earned the Crab Mountain Award in that moment because 
you can tell from the get-go that Joey's just like awkward and doesn't really have very great self-esteem, even though she's way hotter than basic ass Jen. Um, but also she's just this total tomboy who doesn't know how to use lipstick. And I, I really, I love that about her. Go sis, go sis for handing over that beautiful lipstick. And then stupid Jen complimented it though. So she almost ruined that moment for me. But I love the sister. And she's over there living her badass life on that creek with her beautiful black boyfriend and baby daddy. Her moments really, I think, earned her the Crab Man Award. That's a good Crab Man. That's a good Yeah, Drew. I'm with Mo, dude. <laughs> I'm with Mo. Joey's sister is the Crab Man. All right, man. that's a good Crab Man. All right, well. Although the teacher puts oh. up puts up a good performance. But obviously he doesn't he doesn't hold down his throne and he even let Dawson come sit in the classroom so I think you got to take away a little bit from him for even allowing Dawson to get his way by sitting in the classroom like that's just Dawson getting his way this is bullshit Jimbo because I want you to watch that tone because in the X-Men episode you did not allow me to bring in evidence (laughs) from the second episode where Morph dies on a fucking electric fence and Cyclops was proven right so I don't want you to bring in all this whole second episode you stuff. You brought it up. You even said it, man. Well, I said it now because you no, brought it. Okay, some- fine. I'll even keep it to the first episode. I'll even keep it to the first episode. He lets Dawson sit in the classroom. No, he doesn't. That happens in the second episode, dude. He gives in. No, it's the second episode. <laughs> it does? Yes, yes, Jim. Yes, that happens in the second episode. Oh, my bad. Viewers. <laughs> Sorry, viewers. I accidentally watched 20 minutes of the second episode, and I'm having a really hard time differentiating between first and second episode. Okay, so Drew's Crab Man is a lot more valid, but but it's not as good as Joey's That's sister. Fair. Yeah. Drew, this is your last time to have a rebuttal. Oh, I'm going to find Joey's sister on Twitter and let her know that she's won the Crab Man Award. <laughs> he- That's nice. what I always do with our Crab Man Award winners. Crab Man Award, Joey's sister. Right. I wish we knew her name on the show. Yeah, you know the crab man doesn't always get a name. No. Uh, in fact, in fact, Johnny, one of our faithful listeners, Johnny was pissed at us, Andy, yeah. because we re- referred to poor Brian Cooper as as Winnie's brother the whole time, and Johnny was very offended. Oh, sorry, Johnny. Well, Johnny, we're gonna we're we're gonna offend your ass again this week <laughs> by not mentioning Joey's sister's name either. So, and now a word from our sponsors. Jimbo, are you tired of those awkward clogging incidences at your friend's house? Don't be that guy who clogs the toilet after dinner the first time eating at a new lady's house. Or don't be that family member that's to drive all the way to a hardware store after a holiday meal to buy a plunger or a snake. The answer is here. Call Sneaky Snake. Sneaky Snake will find the current occupied bathroom window at that house to sneak you the pr- proper plumbing tools incognito. And get this. The Sneaky Snake van does not say Sneaky Snake Toilet Snaking. It says Cable Company, because Sneaky Snake is cool like that. That new date or large family waiting right outside the door will never know what was in the room when it happened. But wait, if the Sneaky Snake doesn't unclog you in less than five minutes, your next snake is on them. Add Sneaky Snake to your contacts now at 1-800-SNEAKY-S1 or go to their website, www.geocities.com backslash sneaky snakes 1984 thank you and keep your sneak on mo what's what's your mvp so my mvp rooted in both nostalgia and in this pilot episode it, it just reaffirmed my love for joey potter when she spoke her wisdoms i i believe that she would be that that wise high school girl like she she like really pulled it off and made me believe that someone her age could really be this wise 
the way she just dragged Dawson on that date with with Jen and like called him out for being a virgin. So many things about her. She was like savage as fuck, but then also sweet. And I loved her rowing ass. I loved it. Joey Potter all the way. Oh, yeah. So I, I want to chime in because, Mo, you've stolen my MVP because my MVP was also Joey motherfucking Potter. Joey is both a 15-year-old sidekick with just some good sass mouth and she speaks her truth. But also, I really identified Joey as having the persona of like a 34-year-old married person who was a kid. She does not want to go out on Friday night because fuck that shit. She really tells it like it is. Like she punches through Dawson's bullshit constantly. Very clear voice. She's a defined character. Excellent acting. She was charismatic. And she has like that it factor. Like 20 years ago, whenever this show was on, if you had that on who's going to be a star, you thought it was Katie Holmes, you know, and she is a star. Joey just stands out and she shines in this pilot. And Mo, I could, I can buy Joey's wisdom. If she was the only teenager that was spitting out wisdom, like I could completely accept. It was more the Pacey and the gin that I just couldn't get on board with. I also was was tiptoeing around having Joey be my MVP. I actually am going to go with a different MVP. But yeah, man, Joey, and we kind of mentioned it earlier as well, Joey stole the show. Joey, it's yeah. Joey's Creek. It's Joey's story. The thing is, you want Joey's in your life too. Like, you know, Joey's 15 and she's like this real and like this direct. You want to be Joey when you become an adult, like when you grow up. And then you want Joey's in your life. Uh, shout out to Alice from Peace Corps, from Mapignani. She was my Joey for a long time. Still is. She wants to give me a call. But, you know, Joey's are great to have around. And Joey's are just fucking cool. The thing I appreciated most about Joey, is she's constantly bringing Dawson out of fantasy land into more of like reality. And I, and I definitely appreciated that. I don't know, Jimbo. You you might have you have another one, Jimbo. Why can't you just go with the crowd, man? You can do it once in a while. I know. Joey was the MVP. Why you got to buck the system? <laughs> I know she was so clear. What do you got, Jimbo? Fine, I'm gonna. Okay, Joey's the MVP. Don't force it, the, Joey. This is <laughs> this is a first, okay? And now that we have three hoisters, this this is really saying something. Joey might be the MVP of MVPs because this is the first time in Pilots and Petard's history that we have a. MVP by unanimous decision, Joey Porter. Potter. Potter. <laughs> I don't think we've had a performance like <laughs> Joey is this strong. Yeah. I mean, think about it. Have we had a singular performance this strong? I think we have. Who? Earl, dude. Come on. Uh, I don't. Joey brought it in every scene, and Joey carried a load, man. Earl did not do as much silent acting oh, as Joey Earl did. Earl was doing work for, for 20 minutes. Oh, my goodness. I, I would put Earl against... Earl's not as likable as Joey. I, uh, I don't know, man. Earl's pretty likable. Like charismatic. And I would also put Saitama up there. Earl and uh, Saitama could be battling. Who's Saitama? You got to watch her One Punch Man episode, Mo. Oh. Not to take away from Joey. Joey Joey earned this MVP. And I, and I said at first, she could be the MVP of MVP. So I'm kind of right. just arguing with myself now. Which I tend to do. That's fair. That's that's a great that's a great group of MVPs. So I think we can move on. I can I can wrap up the thread that I started to dangle. Let's let's get back to Pacey's courtship yeah. with uh, Mrs. Hottie, or sorry, Miss Hottie, as as Mo wanted to as Mo briefly um, reflected to during yeah. during our piss break. <laughs> and I'd like to wrap up my dangle on that thread that I started in the high points, and it's just that I do appreciate that the narrative around students and teachers having relationships 
has changed because yeah, like back in 1998, they're showing Pacey's courtship in a positive light. And I don't think the gender dynamics matter. Like a teacher and a student having a relationship and I don't care what the age of consent law is, is really fucked up for my professional opinion, just because teachers are entrusted with like a pretty important job in our society. And even if they're not paid to my satisfaction, like society still gives us that trust. So a kid might not know better because a kid is pretty dumb at a lot of ages or growing up and they got to learn their mistakes. But an adult should absolutely know better, especially an adult who's chosen to be a teacher. So I don't think this storyline plays out as positively as it's portrayed in 2018 as it does in 1998. And that makes me happy. It doesn't? I definitely have some comments about this one. Mo. You, Andy, you're saying that this doesn't play out the way it... It seems like it's supposed to be a charming romance, you know, like a forbidden, uh-huh. adaptable forbidden love because it's a young man and an older woman. It seems like in 2018, I would very much hope that people would identify it as, yeah, as assault. The kid doesn't know better, but the adult should. And so the adult should pay a price. And I do like that now they're showing more charges when they talk about like an older female teacher having a relationship with a sub 18 year old boy. You know, like they should show the mugshot. They should, you know, read the charges because I don't think it's cool. You know, I think that it's an abuse of power and an abuse of trust because that's where we put teachers in our society and they need to know better. Like it's a position of influence and that can like create weird feelings that a kid doesn't know how to interpret. Yeah. So I'm hoping that 2018 would not objectify and kind of make this like a flirty oh, Pacey's going to have this experience and look how great it is. Like, they'd be like, no, like, yeah, Jimbo said it. Like, it can't be consensual, you know, because the kid doesn't have, like, the ability to say no or doesn't realize how fucked up it is. Totally. I agree. The way that they directed the and just told the story, the teacher came off as a teenager. Like, Pacey was the character that had more power and more control the teacher just came off as a very weak character. She was insecure. I'm not saying all teachers need need to be secure, and I'm and I guarantee there's a huge insecurity in most of these teachers that do end up having relationships with their students. I'm kind of conflicted as far as uh, I thought the portrayal. Like I agree with Andy, they portrayed it in like a positive way. Like yeah, this guy's like macking this hot teacher, and I feel like the teacher just comes off so weak. And I'm not sure my conclusion. I kind of feel like that's accurate, but at the same time, not. I'm not quite sure how I feel about filming it that way. I think what it is is, I mean, it's a male fantasy. You know, there's like a Van Halen song, like Hot for Teacher, in a time and a place much the same way that Dawson was a transitional figure in terms of like misogyny and toxic masculinity. 1998 was a play where we could still be like, whoa, it's cool, this 15-year-old like hooked up with this 38-year-old teacher because it's a dude and it's a woman. It's not cool then, you know, if it happened, because again, he's still a child. But I think now in 2018, we can view it regardless of gender dynamics. Whereas in 1998, a lot of dudes were like, yeah, so maybe it didn't get called out back then the way it would be called out now. Is that what you're saying, Jimbo? Kind of, but I I do feel like if a teacher is going to fall for a boy, it's going to be a boy like Pacey who's being really taking a position of power over the female teacher. Like, he's, like, stalking her big mm. time. Yeah. Whispering to her. Besides that first scene in the rent, you know, the rental store, after that, like, he's kind of the power position. I guess that's the, the dynamic of it being a female teacher with a, a male 
student. It could also be the dynamic of Pacey as a protagonist and the teacher as a supporting character, so he has to drive the story. But I think it's a combination of what Mo is saying as well, like with the gender dynamics. It's still like up to her to to be the responsible one. And I'm sure that male students stalk teachers all the time, to be honest, too. Oh, definitely. I can think of... Oh, yeah, that, that happens at schools. But then teachers report it. They don't just go like make out with them. <laughs> That's what we hope they do. I could see a lot of insecure teachers that, that maybe don't. I wouldn't see it as an older teacher. I mean, it's possible, but I think that's more the younger teachers that maybe, and we can, and we can rip on our Peace Corps colleagues, but I, but I would compare it to like Peace Corps colleagues that never had attention from men before, then go over to Africa and all of a sudden they get all this attention and they do things that they never expected they would have done. Yeah. No comment. Any comments there? (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, that's, that's even what we're saying too. Like it's a change (laughs) in like gender not gender norms but maybe like cultural norms i don't i wouldn't necessarily compare i don't know maybe i can't i'm not a female teacher and i'm also not a female peace corps volunteer so yeah pass i think with the peace corps example that's more of like a that's a cultural power dynamic okay hey viewers i tried we don't want to rag on our friends jimbo they're the only ones who listen to us jimbo That's not true. I don't think any of the the people I'm referring to are listening to us yet. And if they are, I'm sorry. If you're still listening, which I might have lost you already, you know, hey, judge me accordingly. Jimbo, I'm I'm good on that dangling thread. I have a similar dangling thread. So let's just transition into that. And it it has to do with consent. I, I was really rubbed the wrong way and and we kind of mentioned this before as well and like I didn't respond because I wanted to save it but yeah Dawson does not no does not mean no to Dawson when he's talking with Joey in that opening scene and I thought that was just pretty shitty scene dude like no means no Dawson spoiler little shit (laughs) even though they have a platonic friendship can't help but but be like okay dude this guy's a rapist like Dawson's like Dawson's a nice guy rapist that's the way I felt in that scene. That's what I was trying to point out, you know, because like the thing is, if Dawson really respected Joey as a person and not as an object or not as an inferior or not as a subordinate, her feelings would be heard. Her feelings would be respected. And Dawson could be like, hey, like, it's not in my best interest. It's not what I want. But yeah, maybe it is best if you go sleep at your house and we not do this. But he's like, no, fuck that. I'm Dawson. I come first. So come sleep in my bed and fuck your feelings. And how do I make out with my neighbor buddy who's not you? Because you got a row to my house, but I'm going to walk to her house, which is the size of my house. Mo, representing all women, oh. chime in. She's going to be tired of you saying <laughs> Stop that, Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> you have the weight of the world on your shoulders. Enlighten us, white men. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've come a long way from since the beginning of this of this conversation where – the fact that that was like the very first scene of the episode did set the tone for me where I'm, I was like questioning my my memories of him as being this totally just dreamy guy that's sweet and whatever. But he totally pushes the limits and totally disrespects Joey and her wishes twice. Well, he, d- he did at the beginning, but then at the end, it's like it was like almost this full circle where he realized that it was wrong and then he does let her go out that window does that whole question of consent like redeem itself because he he ends up agreeing with her and lets her go he does and he tells her when he masturbates too he does wait what 
He yells out. He's like, I like to get off after the Today Show. Katie Keurig in the morning. You know, Joey calls it out. Once again, Joey cuts through the bullshit. Yeah. I didn't hear that part. It's kind of hard to miss. He yelled it out the window, Mo. Yeah. It's once again Joey being awesome. Oh, oh, I, I do remember that. I didn't get the joke. I didn't get the joke. Yeah, Katie Keurig is who he's whacking off to. Yep. <laughs> she still looks good. I also feel like he wanted Joey to leave because he was pissed at her for calling him out. So, like, I didn't see it as being redemptive at all. Like, he was pissed at Joey for calling him out on his bullshit. So, it's like, she doesn't fit in his perfect little world anymore. So, he says, like, good night, Joey. Like, that's a, that's the way that conversation yeah. ended. And then, yeah, he did, I guess he did have, you know, he did have enough to, to yell out the window. He probably realized that it's not that big of a deal, but. But then he yelled something pervy out. <laughs> yeah, well, it wasn't necessarily pervy. He's just he's giving her the info. <laughs> But that's not really what she wanted. I'll just say, if you want to call Dawson nice or progressive, I can be okay with that. Dawson's not woke. Well, if Dawson respected her as a person, the show, there'd be less push and pull in the show. He kind of doesn't. It's an arc where eventually he will. But I guess it's all on how you want to read that last scene. The show doesn't really give you a reason to like believe Dawson, except that he's attractive young dude, and the show's named after him, so we assume he's the hero. So my almost MVP was was Dawson in his in his whole perspective. Wow. And I hate Dawson just as much as you guys, but I feel like that is what makes the show good and interesting. Dawson is not woke. He's maybe progressive for a boy in high school that's 15 years old in the late 90s. Okay, yeah, he's he's a progressive, you know, upper class white boy in the late 90s, but he is not woke. And I'm hoping if for the our viewers that want to keep watching the show, hopefully he will wake up and that would be a really good story. That's why I was contemplating having Dawson and his whole perspective of being spoiled little rich kid that nobody present day likes as a potential MVP, because that's what makes the story good. Like hating on him. <laughs> well, the best person's story. Or... Yeah. That's what yeah. gives Joey the platform. Yeah. I mean, just him sucking allows Joey to be so strong. If he didn't suck so bad, Joey would just be some plain white girl that has to paddle her ass up up and down the creek. <laughs> I feel like Joey would still be speaking truth, even if Dawson was like twenty percent less uh, shitty. Maybe Joey would still be speaking the truth. <laughs> but you're right. I mean, the conflict is there because she might not have anything to speak about. You know, the Joey Potter that I know will find a way. <laughs> There's a reason she was the unanimous MVP for show. Yeah, Rebecca's dangling thread was kind of about high school and perception. And she asked specifically how I perceived her. And honestly, I kind of thought that Rebecca was like in this other social group that I wasn't a part of. And it was this cool group of kids like Ed and John and Rebecca and some other people who were kind of smart. Listen to like cool bands and stuff I didn't listen to. I probably should have been friends with them because they were nicer than the kids I tried to be friends with. The fact that Rebecca says that she felt kind of like othered in high school, I felt like I was othered as well. And I think that that's what a lot of people feel like. So my response to Rebecca's dangling thread of how does this show make you feel about how people are perceived in high school is I think just that idea of the grass always being greener, like Dawson wanting the new girl or people wanting to like be something that they're not is just such a universal theme of high school that that's why I think Jimbo, this show is set in a high school, you know, because that's something we all relate to. What do you guys think? I can kind of relate with, you know, with being the other as well. 
even in high school, I didn't see myself as in any of the cliques. Like there was a lot of the, the cliques and I was actually pretty cool with everyone in those cliques. And I used to kind of maybe bounce around different cliques. Like sometimes I might, most of the time I probably hung out with the jocks, but a lot of other times I, I could have maybe been hanging out with the skaters. So like I, like I, like I was even cool with those kids that were going to end up in prison someday. I can kind of relate with maybe like the otherness, not necessarily that's how I felt at the time, but more like in hindsight. I think Becca did touch on something that is true, Andy, where I think it's just part of being an adolescent, which is to just feel like an outsider and feel like you can't really place yourself amongst your friends. I think that's just a natural thing that everyone experiences. I know I definitely did. I I did try to be a cool kid. And so they were mostly white kids. So then I was always just like the not white kid amongst that group. But I, but again, along the same line as you, Jimbo, like I definitely had friends within a bunch of different kinds of circles where, I don't know, that's tough. High school is hard. And I'm still friends with my, with the group of girls that I knew in high school. And so, and we're all living drastically different lives, all of us. I think you just kind of have to, to, to quote Forrest, to get in where you fit in. Mm-hmm. Part of, <laughs> and part of that is, is going through those growing pains and feeling like an outsider and it's, it's hard to figure out who you are in high school and then find like your own little clique of friends. Like it felt like in hindsight, it felt very fake. I felt like I was a, a fake ass in high school. <laughs> I agree very much. Mona. Like I, I definitely did stuff and like pursued what I thought was cool, but didn't make me happy. Like drinking at parties and like trying to hang out with kids who were pretty implicitly saying they didn't really want to hang out with me. So I thought they were cool. And the stuff that made me happy was like, eating junk food and playing video games and reading comics. And like, as soon as that wasn't cool, like I got rid of all my comic books in ninth grade. And I really regret that because so many things that I thought would make me happy in high school that like were supposed to be cool. I didn't like, and those kids didn't like me and I don't really keep track with like high school people except for like one guy. So I definitely regret trying to be someone or trying to do things that I thought would make me happy when they didn't. I, I definitely feel very fake about that. Yeah. But it's normal. It's like kind of you have to play this whole part and see if that is like who you are. You can't figure it out yet. I don't think I was trying or or fake. I guess I guess I had enough little wisdom in me where I just didn't really care that much. But I definitely didn't party in high school. I, I think I got drunk maybe twice while I was in high school. And when I was older, maybe in my early 20s when I was partying a lot – I actually regretted not partying and doing more when when I was in high school. So there was a phase in my adulthood where I looked back at high school and I was like, man, I was such a loser. Like, why like why didn't I go out and do more? Of course, I grew out of that. And now, like, looking back, it's like, well, oh, I wish I would have read more. I wish I would have played music. I wish I would have got into writing. I wish I would have got into art. I wish I would have got into... And it's kind of an interesting shift how, like, for a while I, I regretted not partying and not doing that everyone else was doing or what I thought everyone else was doing. Of course, everyone else was not doing that. But then I grew out of that. And now it's like, uh, I wish I would have been a lot more intellectual and artistic in high school. Instead, I played video games and, and played sports, which worked out good for me, I guess. I definitely wish I broke the law more when I was under 18. Still? You still feel that way? Okay. <laughs> I mean, you can get, like, if you're not over 18, you kind of get away with a lot. You can get away with a slap on the wrist unless you, like, murder someone, but... Oh, yeah, you get, like, yeah, a, yeah you get a pass big time. Oh, for sure. Yeah, just don't murder anyone. No, I mean, that's dramatic. If you're if you're a white kid, you might be even be able to get away with murder, you know? Yeah. If you're an upper-class white yeah. kid. Yeah, that's true. 
You're Dawson. Yeah, but I guess I sh- I'm, I'm leaving out an entire community. Like, young black boys definitely can't get away with shit. They, like, they convict eight, 16-year-olds. No, but in my yeah. town, if we have if we have any young men of color, you cannot get away with anything. Do not know you cannot no. get away with anything. Okay, you, you you upper class rich kids, you guys can get away with a lot. I feel like I could have gotten away with stuff. For for our young viewers, just want you guys to know, and it's not fair. Yeah, you no offense, Mona, but you're one of the <laughs> kids I went to school with got away with a ton. They got caught drinking. They got caught. Oh yeah, for sure. All these things happen. Zero consequences. Um, I got caught drinking on a school trip and I still, you know, like I got suspended for a couple of times, but people thought that was drastic. I did drink. Wow. You got suspended. Oh, that's nothing, man. Yeah. People. Why was I drinking? It wasn't to get drunk. It wasn't because I wanted to drink. I was just like, oh, this is cool. Other kids are doing it. Uh, I should have been more of a cyclops in my youth. <laughs> I didn't drink in high school or smoke pot. I was a good kid. I was a square. Mo, you're still a good kid. I still believe in you. Yeah. That's pretty much how I was besides like <laughs> three occasions. <laughs> Rebecca, I hope I hope we answered those questions and we're going to move on. Good question, Becca. Yeah, definitely. So watch or rewatch. Andy, I'm just going to skip over you cuz you're clearly watching it. You don't, you know, we don't need to know any more about that. Viewers, I accidentally watched 20 minutes as I mentioned. It was on accident, but it was because the show was good enough. I didn't even notice. And then eventually I paused it because I wanted to do some other things. I'm not going to go back and rewatch it. But if you like the first episode, you should if you want to. And Mo, are you going to go back and rewatch Dawson's Creek? After watching that pilot, I would love to actually rewatch it. If I had the time. But I would still give this a not, a not hoist. Oh, uh-huh. jump in the gun here. We're almost there, Mo. Jump in but the gun. Oh, sorry. Yeah, jump, jump in that. Sorry. You're a little, you're a little petard shy, but let me ask you this question, Jimbo and Mo, uh, but maybe Mo especially because you're a devoted fan. Do you think that Rebecca should watch this show? Yes. Yes. Why? Why? Yeah. I said nostalgia a million times, and I'm going to say it again. It it made me feel warm and fuzzy to to go back to the time where I was watching this and then rewatching it and and reunderstanding some of the the dialogue and the conversation that went over my head as a as a 14 year old, 15 year old rewatch it so you can pick up on the things you missed the first time and it's a good story i can't believe i overlooked this but but mo was clearly playing with her nostalgia boner most of the show yeah so rebecca if if you want to get a nice big nostalgia boner and mess around with it a little bit you know go back to dawson's creek and i think it's definitely worth rewatching, especially if you love joey i don't think you're gonna lose any love for joey so i would recommend go back and rewatch it yeah rebecca calls out joey as being like her character and like Joey, Joey holds up. Joey, if anything, holds up better in 2018 than she did in 98. Cause like we can look back and be like, Joey was right. Mo, I just wanted to see if, if we had ruined Dawson to the point that you wouldn't recommend the show to someone who hadn't gone through our conversation. No, it's not ruined. Cause if anything, I just have a new perspective, which is that Dawson sucks and that allows Joey to be great. Yeah. I like that. So Jimbo, now we are at the hoisting or not hoisting uh, phase, and I want to toss it to you first. Sure are. One of my favorite things about this podcast is watching a show, finishing a show, and then just having no idea where you're going to land. Tell us, Jimbo, hoist or not to hoist? I'm not hoisting Dawson's Creek. Dawson's Creek was no Seventh Heaven <laughs> or Buffy. I would say, you know, I definitely had some problems with it. I felt those those problems built into a good story. And my biggest complaint was the shitty dialogue 
of those way too mature teenagers. But overall, the show is entertaining, and there's many aspects of, of good storytelling going on in that pilot episode. Not hoist. Andy, why don't you enlighten us on your decision, which I think we already know. Yeah, seeing as how I'm on episode five with Tori, this is a not hoist for me. The highs were very high, you know, and the lows weren't too low, you know, especially considering how how much like Dawson apologizing you guys did over the course of the last 90 minutes. I don't know how well this pilot will fare against other 42 minute pilots. You know, it definitely beats Seventh Heaven. But no, this is a this is a not hoist for me. Not going to hoist. I love Joey. She was great. And Mo, I think we already know what your nostalgia boner is going to say, but I know. Get in there, Mo. Don't let Jimbo's tone dissuade you from talking about this for a long time. I'm not in a rush. <laughs> Go ahead. Mo. No, I don't. I don't think there's anything wrong with coming from a place of nostalgia. I, I mean, I'm not hoisting for sure. Beyond just like reliving, you know, 14 year old Mona sitting in front of the TV and watching this like love triangle and and learning about all these adult things that I didn't even realize I was learning until watching it now. I think it is well-written, even though it is above their realistic capacity, but not hoist, strong. And also, I did mention this earlier, but I did want to mention that Pacey, I was in love with Pacey in high school. Loved him. Wow. Super into Pacey. So (laughs) whatever he was giving to Miss Hottie, I was into it. That is weird, dude. <laughs> Goofy ass white boy. Yeah. I know. I know. That makes me feel better, actually. <laughs> I'd rather be him than yeah, yeah. than Dawson. Good for you, so I'm actually would have a good internal compass. You were in love yeah. with Dawson. Yeah. No, I did. I. I mean, Dawson was just like the obvious, like whatever, and I wanted Joey to have him because she wanted him. But then, spoiler alert again, Joey and Pacey date, huh. and they're the best couple ever. Get Dawson out of here. And I, I almost would want to rewatch that whole scene, those whole periods. Not hoist. Woo! By unanimous decision. Not hoisted. Ha ha. All right, so viewers, we are going to try and wrap up. So we're going to go into our petardar. I'll, I'll just start it off because I'm already talking. I'm going to say super bad. If I feel like super bad wraps up my high school <laughs> experience extremely well. Maybe, maybe even like the late 90s. Super bad is my favorite and that's it nice for me so real quick on my petardar um this is a young adult novel uh by a guy named barry liga it is titled boy toy a really good really authentic novel about a young man senior in high school and when he was in middle school he had an affair with his female middle school social teacher she's caught she goes to jail for it um and she gets out of jail five years later when he's about to go to college and get a scholarship for baseball Will their paths collide? You know, it's a very good book. It's a very interesting perspective from the viewpoint of the the child. And then um, I read it my second year of teaching, and it felt it was a great book, but it just felt real icky. So you could tell it was thought provoking. How about you, Mo? So I'm going to have to go with the very obvious teen drama, which is 90210. I definitely watched that show at way too young of an age, but it just has all of the the drama and the the love scenes and the the grit of of Dawson Dawson's Creek. So, have you watched it recently? No. Oh. Nine hundred two one zero. It's not on anymore. Well, it's, I'm sure it's somewhere. Uh, is there a new? I'm talking about the original version. So am I. I watched that when it came out. So I was probably in second or third grade, and I used <laughs> to watch it 
each week when it came out. And I remember loving it. I don't know if I loved it because it was good or just because like that was cool and it was on TV. And I also had had an antenna in my younger days growing up like like Mo. That's what that's my only reason for asking because I, I would be tempted to, to nominate something like 90210, but I haven't seen it in forever. And if I went back and watched it, in fact, viewers, if you want us to watch the pilot at 90210, leave us a review on iTunes. Yeah, that's all you got to do. Just leave, Or you could just leave us a review anyway. You know, like that's great too. So next week coming up, episode number 11, is the show Wonderfalls suggests my dad, Steve. Um, Wonderfalls is available to watch on YouTube. Just uh, click on YouTube, Wonderfalls episode one, and that is where it's streaming. You got any plugs for us, Jimbo? Yeah, as, as always, our um, official closing music is an instrumental track called Alive by Entheos. And our official ad background music was mixed by Jake Drew. If you want to continue any of these conversations, if you want to argue with Jimbo, who is more than willing to argue with anyone, you can go to our website, pilotsandpetards.com, leave a comment, and we can continue any of these conversations. I will also accept any feedback about the show, the website, or whatever's going on. Direct all negative feedback to your co-hoister with the very tough skin, Jimbo. That's correct. Um, as the official Cyclops of the podcast, if you want to communicate with me, uh, we're on Twitter at Pilots and Petards. There's an N in the middle. And we're also on Instagram, um, the Pilots and Petards. Again, if you put those two words together, we are the only game in town. Uh, we like to take funny lines from our shows and turn them into memes. So if you want to send those to us, that's great. And in addition, we are on iTunes. And if you leave us a review, uh, we like five star reviews. We'll accept four star reviews. But if you leave us a review, you can suggest a pilot that we'll watch and we will talk about. And and if you love a show and it happens to be like Dawson's Creek, we'll ruin it for you, too. We're good at that. Mo, anything to plug? Review us. And in case you didn't notice, she is smoking a cigar. That is not a blunt. As well, we've been told. Yeah. So if, if you're not avidly following our Insta page or our Twitter <laughs> feed, which have changed the logo, we do have a new logo. It's very cool. <laughs> Mo gets her own little circle, her own little colored circle. Yeah, Mo's a boss, and she's got she's got a cigar because that's what bosses do. I did make it cooler. And I'm very jealous that she got the awesome purple circle, but she, I mean, she obviously earned it. Thanks, guys. What, what color is my circle? <laughs> I'm looking right now. I think you're blue. I think I am. Red. Oh, I'm, I'm so cool with Cyclops, that. Cyclops, dude. I'm fine yeah, with that. Come on, that's a good man. color. <laughs> yeah. Blue. Of course it is. We need some blue, some blue. yellow stripes in there yeah. for you. Yeah, and viewers, if you haven't noticed by the music, the show is officially over. But if you love us as much as we love us, we're going to stick around for a few more minutes. Yeah, Mo, this is the part of the show where we just kind of bullshit until we get tired of each other and then we close the show off. Okay. We call it we call it shop talk, but maybe this is the jam sesh. Oh, I see. I didn't stay long enough for the shop talk. No, you didn't. But I see. I didn't listen to the whole thing, but you guys talk shit about my amateurness. Oh, yeah. What? Yeah, I did. I see it here. Shop talk is Moana's amateurness. Yeah. What What did you put in the shop talk? I put the truth, man. Well, Mo. I didn't listen all the way. Yeah, for one, why don't you listen before you start accusing <laughs> okay, people? You know what? You guys are oh, ruining the jam sesh because people no, wrote us not. reviews, and I would like to read them. <laughs> okay, sorry, Drew. We got to hash this out, okay? And then and then, and then, then we'll get to the reviews. Viewers, for those of you waiting for your, for the review... 
you know, we got a couple things to, to, to mash out here. Yeah, I called you an amateur because you left your computer at your cousin's house, dude. That's amateurness. Oh, yeah, I remember that now. Yeah, Mo, come on. Come on, Mo. <laughs> Should have seen Mo. We had a speaker phoner, yeah. dude. Amateur, complete yeah. amateur, dude. This is yeah. so fucking better. <laughs> this is way better? Yes. Oh, my God, dude. <laughs> yeah, we had Mo at her, using her dad's desktop. I think my it was bad. from the 90s. She had to dial in on the internet. I kept hearing, the, you know, the dial tone. <laughs> no, it was, it's new. I think it was not new, dude. I had very little faith in that desktop computer, Mo. Yeah, dude. The desktop is new. The one that had the lo a lot of feedback was a tiny little notebook, which is very old. It's like okay. eight years old. That's I, where... I stand behind the antiquatedness of your technology. I had to plug in a mic. Mo, Mo, why don't you make yourself a little Unabomber cave? Anyways, so that was your amateurness, but it sounds like you overcame, okay? I did. Y'all wanted me back anyways. Got got contentious. <laughs> it did, yeah, it didn't stop us from getting awesome feedback. Bo, we got, I got really good <laughs> feedback from you, okay? So don't, your amateurness had to do with tech, with technological issues, not, not content, okay? So let me clarify, which you would have known had you listened to the whole episode. <laughs> Yeah. Jimbo's not questioning your skills as a podcaster, just your skills as an adult human. Exactly. I'll take it. There you go. It's not. So here's a review from Nick C. Edwards, who's a Peace Corps friend of ours. Uh, he wrote, thought provoking funny, and then I can't read the rest of the title, got cut off, but he gave us five stars. Really enjoyed Yay. the show. Yeah. The hosts, now the three hosts, have interesting, insightful, and importantly, different perspectives on each pilot. And also the many tangentially related topics they end up talking about. If you're a fan of the show they discuss in a given episode, you will likely get some hearty new food for thought. If you haven't, which is most of the time for me, the hosts are entertaining and thought-provoking in their own right. Looking forward to how the show evolves over time and hearing the pilots of Batards take on shows I know and love or don't. That's the whole review. Um, just for those of you who are curious, um, you should really check out how this review is written. Nick has a really great grasp of uh, grammatical commas and parentheses. There's a lot of things going on. There's only like two sentences in the whole review, but he uses semicolons, parentheses, and commas to maximum effect. I just noticed that while reading it. Okay. <laughs> thanks, yeah. Nick. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Nick. <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah. There you go. Okay. Last review. Every day we hoistling. It's a great <laughs> saying. Uh, that was from Friday. Uh, it's a five-star review by Homus John. Maybe he was going for Honest. But it says... Yeah. Homus John is from Eagle Point, so he, he doesn't spell check. It should be Honest John. I can get Homus John's back on okay. that one. <laughs> That's a standard Eagle Point, you know, um, ism. Okay. Um, all right. Really? He, five stars, though. He got the stars right. Really yeah, enjoying did. Jimbo and Drew's <laughs> dynamics. Their discussions... Yep. <laughs> Their discussions and analysis have reaffirmed my initial thoughts about shows, such as Buffy and Seventh Heaven. Wonder Years podcast was quality stuff. Keep on hoistling, boys. You know I've been hoistling since hoistling was hoistling. And yeah, you know, he, I'm sure that he's all Mo. There's going to be a whole like flood of like 20 more reviews that are like, where has Mo been all our lives? That's what I predict. I hope so. Wouldn't that be nice? It's coming. The wave is going to crash on our shores. <laughs> no, I need to get the homies to start, to start subscribing. And, and we had talked about this off mic, but I think some non-white males in their thirties might check our show out now that we have a woman of color on our cover. Y'all were looking pretty uh, cracker. <laughs> yeah, we. Oh yeah, dude, we look like every other podcast out there. Just, just yeah. two white dudes talking about pop culture. I mean, it's not like 
Yeah. People can't seem to get enough of that. Dawson, at least. There's a whole lot of Dawsons out there who are who are digging on this uh, oh, yeah. podcast yeah, before Mo came along. <laughs> what is he doing now, like that actor? Uh, he was... He's the only one that didn't really make it. Like, Pacey is married to... What's her name? I don't know. He's married to another more successful actor than him, but she... Diane Kruger. Do you know her? What's she in? She's a babe. Um, I don't know. She's in things. That's fair. I feel like everyone made it except Dawson. I feel like Dawson was in a self-referential comedy where he played Jason Vanderbeek, but as an asshole, which is a viable thing for some actors. He did that. Oh, he plays Diplo in What Would Diplo Do? What is that? I'm too old for that reference. Diplo? You don't know who Diplo is? I have no idea what you're talking about. What? He's a DJ. <laughs> you guys, you've definitely heard his music. Uh, everyone's a DJ. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, he is. That's a, he's that. a douchebag DJ, though. Uh, that sounds like a lot of DJs I hear about, Mona. Yeah. Well, I do have a little bit of shop talk, although I guess we can call it jam talk. Tori and I have been live tweeting our pilots. So if you want to find us, Pilots of Petard's podcast, um, if you want to know what Tori's thinking, Here's a little, uh, here's some samples from some Tory thoughts that I gifed and put them on the internet. At the beginning of the episode, Tory said, take up all the bed. Later on in the episode, Tory said, I think it's another young white person show. Tori accused me halfway through. She said, you're going to hoist it. And you're thinking of not hoisting it because I told you you were going to. So Tori doing some Inception style mind fuckery. And then uh, finally, Tori said, why are all of Dawson's clothes four sizes too big? Yep. So yeah, if you want to know what's going on with little Tori and I when we watch Wonderfalls, that's the kind of goodness you can find on Twitter. And Johnny, if you're listening, I've so so Johnny wanted us to cuss more. He he was disappointed that we weren't cussing enough. So John, <coughs> I hope you notice I've 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 uptaked my my curse I words. I cuss a lot. Mo yeah, came out fast and Mo, furious, you know, like she was cussing. Definitely. <laughs> I cuss a lot. If we're getting that explicit, if we're getting that explicit right? rating, we might as well, you yeah. know, mess around with it. We are. We might as well, yeah, we might as well earn it. Hey, by the way, I got on Twitter with some dude, and we talked about how crazy God is Not Dead is. Jimbo, special bonus Patreon episode. We watched God is Not Dead together. Yeah, I think so. I, you know, I think that's possible. So yeah, viewers, last week I was I was a little unkind to God is Not Dead. I think uh, while I was doing the editing <laughs> last week, it, it's definitely a lot more intriguing than than I gave maybe I gave any attention to I think just the premise in general the premise of God not is God is not dead just sounds like the most stupid premise for a movie to me but that doesn't mean that it has to be a movie that no one should watch I could have been more kind to Andy's petardar last week and Andy I'd like to apologize please forgive me sir yeah you can get back to me later I guess you don't have to forgive me now all right, well, you know, hey, for uh, apology accepted. Thanks, man. Cool. Nice. I I do. I, I do. I do. I'm fine with that. I'm like, cool. See, man, you apologize for punching your brother in, your, in his face. Now you're like, yeah, man, apologies are cool. In fact, I almost brought up a few stories of Johnny because every time we talked about something, it brought up a story of Johnny. And it would not have been a good Johnny. Johnny knows what stories I'm probably referring to, but Johnny had so many not good stories that that, that I that I kind of wanted to share at different points throughout the story. But this is not a show about Johnny, so. 
not this episode at least <laughs> you mean johnny being like worse than dawson johnny asked a teacher one time at an assembly she was a newer teacher she's probably like 23 years old and he asked her hey baby you want to go make out behind the bleachers <laughs> oh Johnny. and i probably shouldn't be laughing well yeah, johnny didn't know better and hopefully that teacher shot him the fuck down oh she did yeah he almost got Whoa. like yeah he almost got in serious hey, trouble for crab that. man award for that teacher but yeah she did the right thing she acted like a teacher yeah there you go and then and then i have i have another Suspended. buddy back home he had he didn't know it was a teacher so there's another teacher she's probably about the same dynamic she probably just graduated college she's probably 23 or 24 years old and then another buddy of mine from back home had a he had like a newspaper or his notebook rolled up and he smacked her right in the ass in in the hall oh. and granted he didn't know she was a teacher but but he's smacking a girl in the ass in the hall, like just what? because he thinks it's okay to smack a girl in the ass. But that's the kind of shit that I that that was going on in my high school. So that's why I felt like like these like Damn, yeah like these Johnny. you know like these like uh, high schoolers that think they can show power and dominate a teacher. I feel like that's kind of real, or at least it was back in the nineties. I mean, the patriarchy is the patriarchy, like you know. Yeah, but these teachers didn't didn't stand for it. Good for them. Fucking A. They're probably still teachers. Although I'd be interested if we could if we could talk to these Good. teachers. I don't think the school did much about it. Probably not. And I, and I bet these teachers are probably disappointed with the lack of follow through that, that the schools probably took. Yeah, I bet you they are. Yeah, dude. Get Johnny to like get his own Zencaster uh, account <laughs> and he can have his own I would listen to that. Johnny interviewing people in his past about shit he did. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, that could get um, I, have, I have a funny story. So in, in middle school, I was it, I was invited to be part of this like handpicked group of students that got to work on like some signs that we were going to post at some, I don't know, something. I can't remember. And this kid, Bobby, touched my boob. And this was in middle school, so I was like in seventh grade or eighth grade. And I and then we drove my friend Stacy home and I was talking to her in the backseat about it. And my mom was obviously eavesdropping, which I would like stupid to even like think that she couldn't hear me. And then the next day, like Bobby got in trouble and came up to me and apologized. And I was like, what the fuck? And I was so ups I was like mad. I was mad and not empowered at all. I was like pissed at my mom. And so I like didn't talk to her for a whole week because she went and told the school that like some boy named Bobby like touched my boob. Interesting. Drama. Oh, it was like one of those moments like where you think your whole life is like crumbling. I was like so embarrassed. But did he like did he like grope you like intentionally grope your boob? Um. Yeah. Yeah. He just grabbed it. And you would have preferred there to have been nothing done. Yeah. Your mom's being your mom's being a protective mom, Mo. No, but when you're you're like twelve or whatever age I was, like it's fucking embarrassing. Well, hopefully that kid didn't go molest women later in his life. Who knows? He was a he was like a trouble. He was he caused trouble. I I I like where Olga was coming from there. Yeah, I know. She's a good. Yeah, she did the right thing. Yeah, <laughs> she's always listening. <laughs> yeah, she did. I would do the same thing. But in the moment, yeah, I was like, sure. oh, my God, you're so embarrassing. Yeah, it's different. Well, like, you didn't know any. Yeah, that's I 
and I think that's the problem. That's 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 one of the things we talked about last week with Drew, in in his hopes for you know for future gen- generations of women. It's like in the future, girls are gonna know hopefully at a way earlier age, like like what what is okay and what isn't okay. Because I, I feel like that was definitely a cloudy a cloudy mess that nobody told their kids about when we were growing up, and definitely not any time before us either. I, I have some friends. Um, it's another. It's not a Mozambique Peace Corps return Peace Corps volunteer, but it's like an, just a friend of mine who was in Peace Corps, and she has a book for her three-year-old son, and it's all about consent and like what consent means and how you can teach really young kids about consent. I think it's awesome. Yeah, it sounds good, man. I I think they I think they should teach consent. It's important. I think we might have talked about this, but I didn't learn what consent was until I was like. It was recent, dude. Like probably three or four years ago, I did not have a real good understanding of what consent was. You know, we're always grown in the world. A lot of grown-ass men don't. Yeah, that's true. You're right, Mo. I would have said I had a way better understanding than most guys, but I did not have a good understanding. In fact, John Oliver taught taught me about consent. So whenever his whenever his consent uh, video came out. Viewers, if you're still listening and you haven't seen that, and you don't, if you're if you're not sure 100% what consent is, go watch that show. It's very entertaining, but more so informative. And that's in my petardo. You know, I'm, I'm gonna add that to my petardo. Nice. And God bless you if you're still listening to this jam session. <laughs> I'm good. Jimbo out. Yeah. Every day we hoistling. All right. Are we saying bye? So the correct response now is 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 mo mo out. Every I'm day we're hoistling. I'm hoi. I'm. I'm not hoistling. Oh my gosh, you're not. You nonconformist. Um, I am. Oh what? My gosh. Yes, oh. you are. Get your friends. But to not hoistling. You're hoistling. It's confusing. It's okay. I know. I'm just kind of like. I'm talking about hustling and hoistling. No, hoistling is different than hoisting, yeah. Mo. Oh. Okay. Hoistling is like is like hustling. Yeah, it's oh. like every day we're hoistling. Okay, every day I'm hoistling. There's an L in there. Hoistle. I know. It's hoistling. Okay. <laughs> yep. Every day I'm hoistling. Jimbo out. Every day I'm hoistling. Andy out. (laughs) Every day I'm hoistling. Mo out.